As the world continues to move fast and faster to embrace homosexuality and the LGBTQ lifestyle, as they begin to see it as normal, with all the pressure to embrace this, we now see the church beginning to question what they believe and rethinking it. So what should believers think about homosexuality and the LGBTQ lifestyle? Part two on this slice of fresh bread. Welcome to Fresh Bread, the podcast ministry of Grace Bible Church Gainesville with Pastor Keith and Pastor Brandon. Well, hi, everybody. Welcome to Fresh Bread, podcast 24. Fresh Bread, where we bring the truth of God's word to a starving world. I'm Pastor Keith, and that guy over there is Pastor Brandon. And we are right in the middle of our discussion on the pressure to conform that the church is under these days to accept homosexuality and transgenderism. And we were talking about last podcast, homosexuality. We're kind of now digging into transgenderism. And so, Pastor Brandon, we were talking about how God, if God is perfect, how how could he make a mistake and create someone who's the wrong sex? And you gave a really good answer. And transgenderism has really taken off in our world today. And what we can ask the question is, what are LGBTQ plus, which goes on forever, as we look at this movement in the church to be more acceptive of, of LGBTQ and homosexuality? We ask the question, what should our identity be in? And when we look at transgender people, where are they putting their identity in? Well, I mean, I think the simple answer, obviously, for the Christian, our identity should be in Christ, but at the same time recognizing that he has made us male and female, and therefore we need to live according to you know, how God has made us. You know, we, Therefore, if I'm made as a male, I mean, there's a, an expectation that God has for me in terms of who I am and how I'm supposed to live. I mean, I'm, I'm, I need to be a man of courage. I need to be a man who is loves his wife. I need to be a man who loves and, and disciplines his children. You know, there's an expectation of those things, but my ultimate identity is in Christ. Christ. For the woman, her ultimate identity is in Christ, but at the same time, there's an expectation of the role that, that the Lord would have her play. And, you know, and now having said that, male and female, I, I see them as being, you know, that they're, you know, Peter says that we're joint heirs and therefore joint heirs of the faith. Therefore, I don't see us, I don't see there being any difference in terms of our worth or value. But I do see economically a difference in terms of how we are to live our lives, the roles that we're to play. But ultimately, whether we're male or female, we are in Christ. I think for those who are in the LGBTQ plus that movement, I think those who are trying to remain, quote unquote, Christian, it seems like that they're making it more about their identity, about being gay, being lesbian, being transgender. It seems like that that seems to trump who they are in Christ. And, and look, I'm not those things right? I'm living my life as a man in Christ. I'm biologically a man, but I can identify in things that are wrong, identify in prideful ways or, you know, things that God would not have me do. And, and it, so it's not, this is not a problem that's limited to someone who's in that movement, but it does seem like that that becomes who they are. I mean, it becomes how they identify themselves. And I think that's obviously dangerous for anyone. Is it wrong for a church to be accepting of someone who is transgender because it is them changing their sex when God did create them a specific sex? If someone shows up 
at our doorstep who is biologically male and they want us to accept them as female because that's what they're identifying as. I don't think biblically we would be in the right to affirm their being female. I think that we would be wrong to do that. I it's a tough it's a tough question because you know the guy formerly known as Brian shows up as Brianna. Do we call him Brianna? It feels unloving not to. It feels wrong not to in the sense of Brian showed up and said, don't call me Brian, but call me Billy. We call him Billy, you know, because that's his choice. But it's different because he's trying to affirm something that isn't true. We're affirming a lie. And I don't think that that's something that we should be a part of. It would be a misinterpretation of the verse where it says there are no male and female. There are, you know, no slave or free. That what you are born as, that's what you're going to be for all eternity. If you're born a male, you're going to be a male. If you're born a female, you're going to be a female. So even if you switch your gender here on earth, when you go on to the hereafter, either go to heaven or hell, you're going to be what you were born. Yeah, I don't have any way of understanding that any differently. There's nothing in Scripture that tells me that we're going to somehow change and no longer be, when Paul says there's no longer any male and female, you know, he's talking about distinctions in terms of what is salvation. Yes, in terms of salvation. But he's not talking about in terms of a role, in terms of male and female. He's not talking about that we're going to change. I mean, it's something different in in that sense. I have nothing in Scripture that tells me that I'm going to be anything other than male in eternity and and have those that maleness. It's not going to be the same as here. I mean, it's going to be different. I mean, all all I know is I'm going to have a glorified body. I'm going to have some pretty amazing capabilities. I mean, we're going to have pretty amazing capabilities. But there's just nothing. I mean, when Jesus... Jesus showed up to the disciples after his death. I mean, he showed up the way he was before in the in the sense of his body. It wasn't different. I mean, it was glorified, and so it was different in that sense, but it wasn't different in the sense of he's now no longer Jesus. He still has that maleness. There's nothing in Scripture that says that that changed. That was the big one for me. Is Christ himself, when he came back, they recognized him as Jesus, as a man. Yeah, nothing. I mean, they didn't recognize him any differently. Right, exactly. I mean, even on the road to Emmaus, the two, you know, the disciples that didn't didn't recognize him, they ultimately did recognize yeah. him. I would say he was the same but different. You know, it wasn't like there, anything changed in terms of of his being a male and being in that a male body. Yeah, Adam was a male. Yes, Eve was a female. Yes, and they were lived in perfect bodies until the fall, and that didn't change. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot that we don't know in terms of the glorified body and what yeah. it's going to be like, but I did, there's nothing that indicates it's going to be any different in terms of our maleness or femaleness. Absolutely. That was Galatians 3.28. People use that as an excuse that our resurrection bodies will not be male or female, but that's not true. We just said that Jesus was still a male in his resurrected body, and he's that right now. Yeah, I mean, he's still a man. I mean, he still exists as a man. There's a distinctive male nature to that in terms of how he is existing today. So when we look at, we, we, like to, we like to go back to Genesis a lot because that's where it all begins. When we look at Satan, when he was talking to Eve, he said, has God said? It's interesting that transgenderism, it goes against God's purpose for creation because he made a biological binary male and female, but yet we are doing the same thing as society when we say, no, that's not true. There are more than two sexes. Yeah, I think for sure. I mean, that's ultimately, Keith, is the issue. I mean, that this is the crux of the issue. This is... 
God has made us in a certain way. And, and in very clearly in Genesis 1 and 2, he made them male and female. And he gave the male certain responsibilities, a certain role. And, and he has an expectation that we would do those things, that he would, you know, what he expects, that's what he wants us to do. He created the female and, and you know, he created her to be a helpmate. He created her to, to be a helper to Adam. And he, so he created her in a certain way. He gave her a certain role. And that's what he expects the woman to do. And so I know in our world that that sounds so limiting and so, you know, even hateful. I mean, but it's, it's rooted in God's character. And who are we to question the Creator? So anything that we say, anything that we do that's different, if I want to be homosexual or if I want to be transgender, I'm going against Him. I'm going against the one who created me. I mean, it, it's unloving not to say that that is it's a sin. I mean, that's, what, that's the definition of sin, is to go against the Creator, to sin against Him. That's what we're doing when we say... if that it's okay to be homosexual or it's okay to be trans transgender or bisexual or it's okay to be a liar it's okay to be a murderer i mean again where does the line get drawn have we ever lived in a time where we see our society really targeting children and allowing children to make a decision that they shouldn't really be making about their bodies again there's a lot of history, and it would seem to me that it's unprecedented, at least at the level that we're seeing it, how brazen it is in terms of we're blasting it from the rooftops that, and we're, you know, on the internet and on television and, you know, and, and we're trying to make it okay to include children in this. And it, it is nothing more than grooming. What's happening is, is that they're basically making it normal. They're normalizing the behavior. And so when children grow up and they see that, and they see that it's a, you know, quote unquote, normal behavior, then it doesn't take long, you know, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years down the road, and it really is normalized. And it's okay. I mean, it's funny, I, I mentioned this in the sermon I preached yesterday, you know, there's the song, you know, we the children of the future. I mean, they believe that. So Whitney Houston, I think, so, mm -hmm. sang the song. And I mean, they believe that the children are the future. And I mean, they're after our children. They want our children to be to believe that this stuff is normal. And I think that's why they're doing it, because they know that it's a short route to making it normal in the world if you can, can make it normal to the children. Could you explain a little bit more on grooming? Define that a little bit more. It would be the idea of displaying a behavior in order to get them to become that and to accept that behavior. You know, as, as an example, you could say, I mean, as a parent, I am grooming my children, right? I'm, that's, that's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm, I'm raising them in a certain way, and I'm doing it to hopefully get a certain outcome. You know, I want them to be, for me, I want them to be godly. I want them to, you know, love the Lord. I want them to be citizens that are contributing to the world. I want them to, them to you know, have their own children, their own spouses and their own children, and I want them to live biblically. I mean, that, I mean there's, there's a sense where I am grooming them in that sense, but I think grooming has a negative connotation in terms of when, the way we're using it in this context is that they're trying to groom them for other alternative lifestyles, whether it be homosexual lifestyle, whether it be transsexual lifestyle. We would term that as grooming because that is a, that's, there's a negative con connotation there. Yeah. 
Where would you put this new movement? Uh, I don't know if it's attached to transgenderism, where young children are considering themselves animals. Some come as cats and dogs. And I was just reading a story today where they're encouraging teachers not not to squelch that, to try to affirm that. Where would that lead us to? (laughs) First off, you have to ask where it's from. It really is inevitable result of teaching evolution. I mean, in terms of we're molecules to man, therefore, there's nothing special about being human. There's nothing special about mankind. Now I, I've sort of opened the door, uh, those kind of ideas and thoughts. And instead of, instead of you know, correcting and saying, no, I mean, God created you in a special way. God has a, you know, has a purpose for you as a person. That's different than the animals. I mean, if when you begin to close that door and you don't have that foundation, the foundation of Scripture that says that God created us in a special way. In Genesis chapter 2, he breathed life into Adam. I mean, there's this idea of there's a relationship between man and God, that God created man in a, in a, to be relational with man to man together, but also man to God. And there's this this idea of that relationship and purpose. You know, when you go away from that, when you slam the door on that, then the in- inevitable result is man can be anything he wants to be. And ultimately, you know, the Bible is not silent about those things. It judges, it says, and man, you know, did what, is, what was right in his own eyes. J- judges 21, 25. And I think that's what we're seeing. There's no moral foundation to say that that's wrong. How can you say it's wrong? What's your basis for it being wrong? To say, well, now I'm a cat, or I want to marry a cat. I mean, there's no basis for saying those things are wrong. And that's, I think that's the danger, the big danger that we're seeing right now. And I, I mentioned in the last podcast, the LGBTQT, you know, why we're starting to see so many different initials because of inclusion in that. If Once you open that door, once you say, we're just a blob, we're just sacks full of water, we're no different than the animals, we're, you know, we're worse because we we're ruining the world. And, you know, once you start opening the door to that, then where do you close it? Where do you draw the line? And ultimately, I think what we're seeing is there is no line. That's the the problem. Would this be included in the grooming part where there is such a huge push for children to get involved in this, to bring in uh, drag queens, and they want to expose children to all of this stuff, whereas 25 years ago, we were protecting children from all of that. How quickly it has flipped. Well, yeah, I mean, because, again, they see the children as the future. I mean, I mean, yeah. again, that is the, I mean, we, this is a psychological operation. I mean, they are trying to change the world. You know, they're trying to fashion this world in what they want and in their own desires. And so the quickest way to do that is to influence the children. It starts when you start going away from the truth of God's word. When you start, we start teaching evolution in school. Now, all of a sudden, there's no value to man. There's no value to us. And we can be who we want to be. You know, there's no rules. There's no morality. There's no, there's none of this. But that's the world they want to live in. They want a world that they can do what is right in their own eyes. And there's no judgment. There's no final judgment. That's ultimately what they want. So their final outcome to all this is if they can get the children indoctrinated, when those children grow up, then there'll be no more opposition. It'll be so part of normality that no one will even blink an eye. I, yeah, I think that's what's, that's what's happening. So our, we're literally seeing Romans 1 played out in front of our eyes. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. We're seeing it played out in, in everything 
that's happening in the world. We saw, it's funny because when President Obama was in office, he went from being against homosexual marriage to being for it within a span of a few years. You know, I think you could make the argument he was never against it, but, you know, politically he had to be against it in order to be popular enough Mm -hmm. to get elected. It flipped so quickly and it literally flipped during his presidency where it went from not being okay to being okay in the midst of his presidency. Has there ever been a time in history where we see there's a push to sexualize children in our culture? I mean, I don't, we don't see, well, we don't know well, for there's sure nothing, what we're doing. There's nothing new under the sun. Yeah. We do know that. I do think it's unprecedented in the sense of, at least in history of what recorded history, I think it is unprecedented the amount of publicity that it has in terms of because of television, because of you know radio, because of internet. internet, because of social media now, you have all these platforms in order to push this agenda. And you know the government's on board with it, the world leaders are on board with it, and Western culture is pushing it. And so I think that it is unprecedented in recorded history that it would be at the level that it's at today. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't think that men are any more sinners today. Like, meaning I don't think that that somehow we're more sinful than they were, you know, 2,000 years ago. It's just that today it, what's happening is is that it's there seems to be no limit. It seems to be more front and center in terms of, in terms of pushing these agendas. And I think you said it, and I agree with it, when Solomon says there's nothing new under the sun. Yes. I think we can just look at Genesis uh, before the flood. Well, and I, I think, and, I, and that's the reason why I said in, in recorded history, yeah. because, you know, we don't know. We, we have some idea of what it was like before the flood. You know, evidently, the world was a terrible place. I would say that that would be, if there's a time in history where we would have seen the things that we see today, it probably would have been before the flood. And as you look at the sexualization of children, we haven't talked about it, how many people are aware, but the sex trafficking going on in our world right now. Children are no longer protected. They're no longer cherished. And it's it's all... Seen as property. Yeah. I mean, that's what... I mean, sex trafficking would be seeing children as nothing more than property and that to be bought and sold for, for the use of for pleasure. And yes, I mean, it, it's, it's a huge problem and it's becoming more and more a problem. And, you know, we're seeing it even being mainstreamed in terms of what they're doing with trying to groom children. It's becoming mainstream. And, you know, the people that are behind this are, you know, I, I believe by and large are their sexual deviants. It astounds me that it's okay that somehow under a certain banner, you know, if that banner has multiple colors and looks like the rainbow, that somehow it's okay to then sexualize children. It's, it's absolutely a double standard. I mean, it's either wrong or it's right. And, and you can't have it both ways, but that's, what, that's exactly what they want to do. They want to have it both ways. I'm saying, you're saying, the church, our church is saying it's wrong, right? It's wrong to groom children. It's wrong. We need to protect our children. We need to teach our children you know, God's way, and we need to protect them from these demonic influences. But the world is trying to say, oh, it, because it comes under a certain banner, it's okay, when it really isn't. Yeah, I don't know if you remember a time where there has been so much pressure on the church to try and transform itself to go along with something. During the month of June, it's really difficult to avoid the pride flags. I mean, you go into Target, now they have pride merchandise and clothing and United States Air Force webpage. They've got pride flags I mean, in the military. It's everywhere. 
And if you don't go along with it, you're going to be ostracized. And now they have the power through corporations, banks, and things like that. And we've talked about it, whereas our church, who knows, with our tax-exempt mm. status, there may become a day when when that would go unless you go along with this and celebrate it. Yeah, I mean, uh, the ESG score is, you know, the big companies, big corporations, uh, you know, all have ESG scores, and it's and they can they're definitely graded on how they how inclusive they are, and you know, it's also the environment go into that and how they treat the environment. My understanding is is that even though it hasn't been publicized, my understanding is that the the goal is for each citizen to have an ESG score as well, and and it's going to be a situation where how you handle the environment, how you you know, based on what their rules are, you know, how, you know, your environmental, your footprint, your, you know, whether you're inclusive in terms of homosexuality and, and transgenderism, that those things are going to come into your social credit score. And, you know, whether or not you can get a loan or whether or not you can, how you exist in society and who, how you're seen in society is all going to be contingent upon what your score is. I'm in big trouble. Well, we all, we as Christians, if we're going to stand for Christ, we are. Yeah. But I mean, I think that's that shouldn't surprise us as no. if something, you know, we shouldn't be surprised as if something odd is happening to us. I mean, this is exactly what, you know, Christ has promised would happen. Not that we're, not that we're necessarily, you know, going out of our way to be persecuted, but when we stand for the truth, we know that it's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, I know this sounds dystopian. I, I do. I, and it sounds like, you know, how can that ever be that this would happen? But I think that's where we're going. So a, a final question before we answer the main question that we started with. Should we just stay in our homes every June? Or how do we handle this? I mean, it, you just you can't avoid it. I think we need to be happily married and go to church and proclaim the truth and, you know, stand stand for the truth, stand for, for the Lord and pr- preach the gospel, make disciples of the nations. I don't think any of this changes the mandate that we've been given. And as Christians, we need to be Christians, and Christians do certain things. We live for Christ, and because of living for Christ, we're going to stand against the world. And believe me, we're not going to have to go out of our way to stand against the world. I trust in my heart at some point there's going to be opposition. I don't know what form that's going to come in. I'm only imagining what it might come in, but I know there's going to be opposition, and I don't have to go out of my way to find it. Yeah, it'll find us. It's, it will find us. <laughs> so as we wrap this up, and like I said, this has been a very frank conversation, even though Frank wasn't here, but but we've been here. How should Christians think about homosexuality and the LGBTQ lifestyle? Well, I think we see it as a sin against God. We're not to shrink back from saying the truth. At the end of the day, people are going to do what they're going to. They're going to do. You know, they're going to shake their fist at God. Ultimately, I can't change that. I can only preach the gospel. I can only tell them the truth. And I don't have to. As I said earlier, I don't have to go out of my way to be persecuted. I don't have to go find it. I think that if we stand, you know, as the world continues to spiral, uh, as the world continues to slide down the hill, so to speak, the slippery slope that it's on, I, that. I don't. I, if I stand for the truth, I'm going to stand out, and and when I stand out, there's going to be people who are going to want to, you know, come after me, and that and and I have to understand that, and I have to be ready for it, and and I and I have to be willing to ultimately die for what Christ has said, and I, I certainly don't want to be hateful, you know, in terms of how I respond to people. I don't need to be. I don't. It's not honoring to be so. I just need to live my life. The Great Commission. I need to live my life being fruitful and multiplying, and you know, let the Lord 
deal with the rest. He, God is on his throne. Nothing is going on without him knowing it. That's right. And we be faithful, and we, we preach the truth. That's right. And we, t- we, we teach the truth in love, and we trust him that this is going exactly as he has planned. That's right. And I trust him that they're going to be that we're going to be able to snatch some out of the fire. Yeah, I'm I'm so thankful to know that and and to trust that that's going to be the case. So, well, like we said, this is a this is a it's a tough topic. It's it's very blunt and frank, but I think it's a good one to have because I we can see that the pressure of the world pulling the church towards it. God's word doesn't change; it's the same forever. That's right. And so that's what we'll do. Grace Bible Church, come whatever, we're going to continue. So, I agree. Anyway, well, thanks, Pastor Brandon, and thank you for listening. You've been listening to Fresh Bread, podcast ministry of Grace Bible Church, Gainesville. For more information, go to gracegainesville.org. And thanks for listening.